Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, and I'm going to read. I have, this is not in a series or anything. I just had something on my heart, and uh, on the heels of breaking barriers, I felt it would be a good word to share, and uh, also maybe hopefully it helps you understand some things uh, as you're moving forward in your Christian walk. 2 Kings chapter 2, this is Elijah and Elisha. The Bible says in verse 9, And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha. Now, first of all, you've got to understand crossing over, Elijah took his mantle, struck the river Jordan, and the waters parted miraculously. They walked through. And then Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, or when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. What an amazing story. Um, if you pick it up, what's happening here? is in the first chapter of 2 Kings, it begins talking about the life of Amaziah, or Ahaziah rather, who was one of the sons of Ahab, and his downfall. And it's really describing the collapse of the house of Ahab. Then we come into the second chapter, and it's talking about where the real authority is, and that's in the man of God. Elijah was the prophet to the nation of Israel, and if you study his life, you see how he confronted Ahab, confronted Jezebel, his wife, confronted the wicked authorities of his day. And then as it came to this point, somehow they knew he was going to be taken to heaven. He knew. Elisha, his protege, who he's carrying with him, his assistant, knew. And a group of people called the sons of the prophets knew. Because they're asking Elisha along the journey about his being taken from them. So what happens is they come to a certain point and Elisha's like, oh, Elijah is like, okay, man, Elisha, you can go. We're cool. And Elisha's like, no way. I'm not leaving. So they walk on a little further and he's like, okay, Elisha, we're done. You can go. And Elisha's like, I'm not leaving. Then eventually they get to the point where I don't know if Elijah was like exasperated, but he's like, okay, what do you really want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of the spirit that's on you. And Elijah said, well, you've asked a difficult thing, but if you see me when I go up, you'll have it. So what happens is they were walking along, all of a sudden a chariot, chariots of fire. Dun, 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 dun. You got to be so old to remember that, amen. But the chariots of fire come and separate them and boom, Elijah is taken up into heaven and then Elisha cries, my Lord. And then the mantle he had dropped to the ground. And Elisha went over and picked the mantle up, went back to the waters in verse 14, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it also divided like it had for Elijah, and Elisha crossed over. Signifying the fact that Elisha had now received the double portion that he requested of the Lord. Hallelujah. I haven't done the counting myself, but I've heard others say that they've actually counted the number of miracles that Elijah worked and counted the number of miracles that Elisha worked, and Elisha worked twice as many miracles as Elijah, that he truly had a double portion of the Spirit on him that Elijah had. Now, why am I, why am I reading this passage? Because I think that's the way the Spirit of God works. He wants to transfer from one generation to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. God is about passing the baton off 
to the next generation so they can run further, harder, experience more than we have. I'm not of the camp that believes yesterday was better and if we could just live in the good old days. That if we could live in the good old days, you know, those people had great power with God and they did. But this, we're just not going to experience that today because we're not living where they did. I just don't believe that. I believe we have, in some sense, more revelation today. In some sense, we've experienced more. We have knowledge of more. And I think we can, we have the opportunity to walk in more power, or let me put it this way, just as much power and authority as previous generations have. So I want all the, 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 the generations younger than me uh, in this church, I want to pass the baton to them at some point and see them go further than I ever have. And remember me. Way down yonder. And said, oh, you remember what Pastor Hans used to say? Man, if he could have seen this day. That's a great compliment to me. If somebody can run further and say, oh, man, this is what they tell Because I am here because of what was poured into me by some great men and women of God through the years. Amen? And I'm standing on their shoulders, and I'm riding on what they taught me. There were some people who taught me how to pray years ago. There were some people who taught me the way of faith years ago. There's some people who prayed me into the kingdom. Some people laid hands on me, and I was baptized in the Spirit. I was called to preach. I, I had some great mentors, some great evangelists, some great missionary evangelists run with me, great scholars I was, I was able to work with. Who? That's the reason why I'm here today. How many can echo that and say amen? amen? You know, if you want to do an interesting study of your life, look back and chart the moves of God in your life. I've done this. And the different eras of your, eras of your life. And then in those eras, look at who was your mentor during that time. And it really was eye-opening for me when I did this because mentors are important and they're carrying us on and passing the baton so we can run further and we can run harder. Having said all that, I want to talk about a theological belief that's in the air today. And I wanted to basically rebut it, and give you the tools to be able to do so yourself. So that when you hear it, you can discern the true from the false, and you have an answer to give people. But not only that, I pray it opens a door so you can experience more of God in the upcoming days than you've ever experienced in your life. So there is a doctrine that's been around for a long time called cessationism. And it, it comes from the word to cease, and it's talking about uh, how the gifts, miracles, signs, and wonders of the New Testament, of the Bible, have now ceased. Okay? The, 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 the term cessationism means the gifts have ceased, the miracles have ceased. They were only for Bible times. Now, one, one man named Tom Pennington, he's a pastor of Countryside Bible Church in Dallas. He's a cessationist, and he wrote about this, and he has lectured extensively with John MacArthur who is also probably the most well-known cessationist in America. And he said this, what do we mean by cessationism? We mean that the Spirit no longer sovereignly gives individual believers the miraculous spiritual gifts that are listed in Scripture. And that were present in the first century church. It is neither the Spirit's plan nor His normal pattern to distribute miraculous spiritual gifts to Christians. And churches today, as he did in the times of the apostles, those gifts ceased as normative with the apostles. They have five basic tenets of belief in cessationism. The first is that the term apostle was only for the first century. That there were only the original 12 apostles. There were no more apostles after them. Because they founded the church, they wrote scripture, they saw the Lord himself. And so that's one of the beliefs they hinge it upon. Number two, miracles only were given to prove who Jesus was as the Messiah. So miracles had an authenticating power. That they came to prove he was the Messiah 
after we've proved that he was the Messiah, miracles are no longer needed in their thinking. Third tenet is the gifts of the Holy Spirit disappeared in early church history. Some have said there were no gifts displayed after the death of the last apostle. Or some have gone and said there were no gifts displayed after the death of the last person upon whom the last apostle laid their hands. The fourth belief they have is that the canon of the New Testament, that means the collection of books of the New Testament, is closed. And there's no more scripture being written, which I believe too, we believe. But since it's closed, we needed miracles, signs, and wonders and gifts of the Spirit as the scriptures were being written in the first century. But now that we have the New Testament, we no longer need any gifts, miracles, or signs and wonders because we have the Bible. And we can go to it for direction and it has everything we need. Number five, their fifth tenet of belief is that there's an absence of gifts and miracles in the, in the modern experience in the church. Nobody's having these things, in their opinion. Okay. So I had the privilege back several years ago of working and studying under a man named John Ruthven who wrote his doctoral dissertation on cessationism and destroyed it. And he has an amazing book called On the Cessation of the Charismata. And um, so I got back in it, and he traced the historical roots of this teaching. And he traced it back to early church where that miracles became seen as validation of, of belief. And um, also when you come to the medieval ages, you have John Calvin, Martin Luther, the reformers, especially John Calvin, who came and said, well, if the Pope was approved by signs and wonders, then the Pope, in his opinion, was the Antichrist. So he said, well, we don't need that. and We don't need signs to approve anything. We have scripture and we have truth. So they threw all of that out the baby with the bathwater. And now we, then we come to late 1800s Princetonian theologians who basically said, like B.B. Warfield, if there are any supposed miracles in churches today, like these faith healers have, they are all counterfeit. And he wrote a book called Counterfeit Miracles. Well, I don't believe any of that. I just don't believe any of that. We come from a different stream. We come from a stream of John and Charles Wesley, who were Anglicans, who really weren't affected in that way by the cessationist arguments. And John and Charles Wesley came to America, and the First Great Awakening happened. And then, out of that came the movement of Methodism in America. Out of that came what we know in the late 1800s as the Holiness Movement, and the holiness people were really searching for an experience with God like the New Testament apostles had, like the Wesleys had described. They wanted that. And then some of those groups started experiencing great manifestations of spiritual gifts and miracles and healings. And they called themselves Pentecostals because of what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit was given. And then throughout the 20th century, there was an explosion in the move of the Spirit and demonstration of spiritual gifts and miracles and signs and wonders all over the world. So you had the 1960s and 70s with the, what we call the charismatic movement. Charisma means gift in Greek, and these were people who believed they had modern spiritual gifts happening. You had Presbyterians and Baptists and Methodists, and you had uh, Mennonites, and you had Catholics. You had people from all backgrounds, basically, experiencing the Spirit. And then now you had the 80s and 90s with the, the New Apostolic Reformation and with the Vineyard Churches. They kind of known it. They're known as the third wave, scholars call it, of the move of the Spirit. Anyhow, combine and pull all those people together, and you have hundreds of millions Hundreds of millions of people in the world today who speak in tongues and believe in spiritual gifts and signs and wonders. Hallelujah. For those in the back row, hundreds of millions. 
Hallelujah. And you're sitting in one of those churches. You're sitting in one of them. If you didn't know that. So I'm going to give you three reasons why I believe cessationism is wrong. And three reasons why I believe gifts, signs, wonders, and miracles are just as prevalent today and available today as they were in the days of the apostles. Number one, the principle of the outpouring of the Spirit in Scripture, as I see it, is that the Spirit is poured out on each believing generation. If a generation receives it, if a people receive Him, the Holy Spirit comes. Notice uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 21. The Bible says, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my Spirit who is upon you, and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, talking to Israel, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. So the outpouring of the Spirit, God isn't saying, I'm going to give it just for a few years. Then I'm going to reel it back in. And you're going to have the Bible. No, he's saying, I'm giving it from now on forevermore. There's coming an outpouring of the Spirit. Joel 2.28, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Then we come to the book of Acts in the New Testament. After Jesus is resurrected and ascended to heaven, He poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church gathered in the upper room. And then after that, they began praising God, speaking in tongues. Tongues of fire appeared on all their heads. Then they rushed out onto the streets and Peter began preaching. And as he started preaching, he said, don't be alarmed, we're not drunk because some people thought they were drunk just like some may wander in here and think we're drunk sometimes. They thought the early apostles were drunk. Peter says, we're not drunk, but this is that. What was that? That that was spoken by the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. That in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So when did the last days begin? Acts chapter 2. In, you, we entered into a different era of time known as the last days. And in the last days, an earmark of the last days is God saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And we're living in that era, the era of the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Theologian I studied under years ago, J. Rodman Williams, wrote a book, The Era of the Spirit. He was a Presbyterian, and he had been a Marine Corps, uh, was in the Marine Corps, was a chaplain, I think, in World War II, and he went on, had an amazing career went on into academics and became the dean of a Presbyterian seminary. And then he ran across that Luke 11 chapter where he said, I will, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who believe? And he said, wait, hold on, I thought I had all that I needed. But he's saying he'll give the Holy Spirit not to those who start to believe or just to the unbelievers. He'll give them to the believers. The Spirit will be given to believers He said, hold on, that means I can pray for the Spirit as a believer. And then I, he said, I hated men in collars. But a man in a collar walked in named Dennis Bennett and laid hands on him. And he received the Holy Spirit. And as a Presbyterian PhD began speaking in tongues. And he got kicked out of the Presbyterian seminary. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well... I don't know if you say kicked out, but he, they, he got, I think, the left hand of fellowship. And wrote this book, Era of the Spirit. We're in an era of the Spirit. You are privileged to live in 2023. You and I 
are blessed and privileged to live in this era of the Spirit. The Old Testament folks were looking, prophesying about it. You and I are living and swimming in these waters. The waters of miracles, signs, and wonders, gifts of the Spirit, an era of the Spirit you and I are getting to live in. Come on, somebody. That should make you a wooden man shout. Amen? So I believe in the Holy Spirit present today, fullness of gifts of the Spirit, all of that because the Spirit is poured out on each believing generation. Second reason why I believe it's all for us now is that the kingdom of God is here. And when the kingdom of God comes, he brings power with him. Notice this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. In other points it said he preached the gospel, the kingdom is at hand. It's here now. He preached the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. So he came and the kingdom came with him and with the kingdom comes a megaton of benefits privileges and authority and responsibility. And with the kingdom comes spiritual gifts and manifestations. With the kingdom comes healings and signs and wonders. With the kingdom comes Holy Spirit power. And Jesus brought it to earth when He came to earth. And you and I are now walking in the power of the kingdom of God on earth. The king, come on, say it with me. The kingdom of God is within me. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom is within you. So the kingdom of God is within me and where the king reigns, he brings his benefits and blessings. Hallelujah. I was in Africa a few years ago and I went with the local pastor there to the American embassy, U.S. embassy. And we met with the, uh, I think it was the ambassador. Ambassador or one of the top aides of the ambassador, one or the other. And we sat and met with this, this person. And you know, when I walked on that property, I am in a sense standing, I was standing on American soil. Even though it was in another land, it was from a different kingdom. That's why I used to live in Washington, D.C. And you'd see these diplomat tags all over the place because there were so many diplomats in Washington. And basically, if you needed some sort of diplomatic immunity, if you could just get to the embassy of your home country, you could supposedly be safe and receive immunity. So we have a kingdom that's from another world that has come down to earth and you and I are ambassadors of that kingdom. And so even though we're living in this current world situation, we are walking in the authority and privileges and power and mandates and decrees of the kingdom of heaven. Somebody should shout hallelujah. I'm going to look at your neighbor and say, I'm not a normal dude. I'm going to tell you that. I'm not a normal man. I'm walking as an ambassador from another kingdom. Hallelujah. So when the kingdom comes, he comes in power. When Jesus came, he came locked and loaded, doing warfare against the enemy, casting out devils, calling down the religious hypocrites, healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding people miraculously, walking on water, calling out dead people from their tombs. That's what the kingdom of God looks like on planet earth. Hallelujah, that's what it looks like. And here's the, here's the, here's the deal. The apostles walked and lived that same type of life. They raised the dead. They healed the sick. They preached the kingdom. They performed miracles. They worked in signs and wonders. And I think it would be really wrong and just against the character of God for God to say, oh, listen, there was disease back then. I needed to send some healing evangelists. But now, you just got to deal with it. 
or the church needed some prophets back then to speak the mind of the Lord, but now you just need to read your Bible. And y'all know I believe in reading the Bible. I just, this is not the character of God. He comes to each believing generation. When the kingdom comes, the kingdom comes in power and authority. Paul told the Romans, he, he described his own gospel preaching ministry. He said, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. But here's what happened. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem to, to roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. What's he saying? I fully preached Jesus, and when I preached, I came with signs and wonders. I came with the power of the Spirit. He told the Galatians the same thing. We came to you in signs and demonstration. He told the Corinthians the same thing. He said, I didn't come to you in word only, but I came to you in demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't come just teaching a lesson. He came with demonstration of the Spirit's power. This was what was so profound about Monday night. You saw a couple here, Tom and Jane Hammond, who came. And they, she brought a great word. But not only that, then they started demonstrating the kingdom through prophetic utterances. And I'm telling you, I know some of the people they prophesied over. Because they're in my family. And she nailed them. And Tom. They nailed me. Demonstration of the Spirit's authority. January. We're starting the new year. Ted Shuttlesworth's coming. And he's coming in the sanctuary next year. And if you've never seen a demonstration of the authority of the Spirit, come to those meetings. Because when Ted preaches, it's in word, but then it's in demonstration of the word of knowledge and miracles, signs, and wonders. I've been with him twice and seen blind eyes open in people twice with Ted. I've seen all kinds of other crazy miracles with him too. I'm telling you, signs and wonders. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's the way Paul came. He didn't come and say, let me pull out my iPad. I've got 14 things to teach you, and then I'm going to go home, you know, because I'm going to be tired after a while. No, he came with demonstration and authority and power, shifting the atmosphere because the kingdom has come. And I, you know, I'm going to talk about the coming of the Lord. I believe in the coming of Jesus. But I'm telling you, sometimes we have just seen ourselves. I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, but sometimes it's good to hunt rabbits. Sometimes we've seen ourselves as just poor, broke, miserable, under the foot of the world, waiting for the coming of Jesus till we can get out of here. Whereas he said, no, Luke 18, 1, I want you to occupy till I come. I want you to display my kingdom authority on the earth realm while you're here. I want you preaching the kingdom, healing the sick and raising the dead and having signs and wonders. I want you walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want you prophesying to people at Walmart. I want you moving in the gift of discernment out on Main Street. I want you moving in the authority that I gave you. Hallelujah. Because the gifts cannot be contained in these four walls. The gifts are for the world. Hallelujah. God has given them to us as expressions of His kingdom authority. So why do we need signs and wonders? Signs and wonders come to encourage and deepen the faith of people. Jesus told the, the, the Pharisees, He said, if you don't believe me, at least believe the miracles that I'm doing. Told him several different times. If you don't believe in me, at least believe in the signs you see. And even they didn't believe those. He even told Chorus, he even told the, the area uh, of Chorazin and Bethsaida, he said, Woe to you, because if the signs and wonders done in you would have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. So he was chastising them for having seen all the miracles and still not believing. 
So miracles come to deepen our faith. But also miracles come just to illustrate the goodness of God. The grace of God. The goodness of His gospel. God is good. And He's good all the time. He didn't say, I'm going to be good until the last apostle dies. Then you're just on your own. No, I'm going to be good and I'm going to give you the full treasures of my storehouse that you can walk in authority and walk in blessing. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. Final reason why I believe cessationism is wrong is because the gifts are needed now. They're needed now. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Paul said, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, you've been given these gifts and you're going to run until the day Jesus returns. So the gifts weren't meant for a season. They were meant for this entire era of time between the comings of the Lord. Somebody say until. Until he comes, we're going to move in power and spiritual gifts. And then when he comes as king, it will shift the dynamic. 1 Corinthians 13. This is used by cessationists all over the place. It's one of their biggest arguments. Paul said, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And their argument is, when the perfect has come, that is the canon of the New Testament. And so now we have the New Testament. So because we have that, we don't need tongues anymore. We don't need prophecies anymore. And they don't mention anything about knowledge because they still need some knowledge. It's a ridiculous argument. It's not sustained in the Greek text. But what he's talking about is when the perfect comes, when the perfect one, when Jesus himself comes, then we won't need to prophesy or work in words of knowledge. We will have the ultimate prophet walking with us. I still believe in Zechariah 14, the Lord himself shall descend and set his foot on the Mount of Olives and the mountain will cleave and he'll make his way to the eastern gate. I still believe in Isaiah chapter 2 that the Lord himself shall sit in Jerusalem and all the nations will go unto Jerusalem to learn the law of the Lord. I still believe in Revelation chapter 20 that we will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. I am still a millennialist. I still believe he's coming to planet earth to rule and reign. And until that time, we're to work as kingdom ambassadors moving in the fullness of Holy Spirit power and authority. Can somebody shout amen? And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And so the cessationists believe the apostles and prophets have been done away with because Ephesians 2.20 says the church was established by the ministry of apostles and prophets. So they think, well, that's done away with now. So now we only need pastors and teachers and evangelists. But Paul said he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastor, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, until, until we all come to the unity of the faith and then of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I believe that's talking kingdom come. I believe when it's fully full and complete, then we're going to need the gifts until that day comes. So we had Tom and Jane here. I'll mention them again. They, they call themselves apostles, and I have no problem with it. In fact, I celebrate it. Because there are no more foundational apostles. We had the 12 in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. 
And once they died, we had no more. Judas, of course, fell away and he was replaced by Matthias. But once those 12 passed away, there were no more apostles who walked with the Lord and saw him personally, were called apostles of God, and wrote scripture. However, we do have what we call functional apostles. Functional apostles are those who walk in the spiritual gift of apostleship. That's raising up, planting, building. We have a position paper on this, IPHC.org. Look at the position papers. One of the first is on apostleship, which we declare we believe in the continuing functional gift of apostles. We also believe in the continual gift of the prophetic. That God still has prophets in the body today that walk in fivefold ministry gifting. Also, there's a spiritual gift, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, of prophecy that any one of you can move in as the Spirit gives you utterance. And we believe all may prophesy. Don't believe all are prophets, but all may prophesy. What do I mean by that? If God gives you something for somebody else, say it to that other person. If God gives you an encouraging word of Scripture, an encouragement, a prophetic word, the Spirit may use you like that. Okay, let me show you an example here. When I come to church, you know, I'm from the old school where you just brought an amplifier and you brought a guitar and that was good enough. But now that ain't good enough. Because now we've got to have all kinds of sounds. We've got to have reverb. We've got to have delay effects. We've got to have some distortion. We've got to have some shimmer effects. So you know what I do? I show up and I bring this thing. It's a pedal board. On it, I've got a delay. I've got a stereo chorus. I've got a, a uh, echo pedal. I've got uh, Eddie Van Halen's overdrive when we really want to rock the house. I've got some other effects. So what happens is each song may call for a different effect. But I'm not just showing up with the tuner, the most used pedal of all. I'm not just showing up with one thing. I show up with the whole pedal board so whatever song determines or whatever the song calls for, I can punch it and get that sound. I carry a toolbox in me of the Holy Spirit because He's a person. And I've preached all over the world to the most extent. And wherever I go, I know I'm walking not just with my own intellect or my Bible knowledge. I'm walking in with the Holy Spirit of God, the parakletos of heaven. I'm walking in with the same power that empowered Jesus to do the miracles he did. And he may say, Hans, tonight I'm going to use you through the word of knowledge. And God give me words of knowledge, which he's done. Or tonight, Hans, I'm going to have you prophesy to the crowd, which I have done. Or tonight I'm going to have you move in the gift of faith which has happened in my life. And I don't know what he's going to do, but I want to walk in with the whole pedal board. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. So God still has people who prophesy. God still has people who establish and move in the apostolic gifting. God still has pastors. God still has evangelists. God still has teachers in the body. Amen? And God has a lot more than that. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. We need them. The world desperately needs the fullness of the power of God. The world doesn't need another dead you know, church that looks like a, a stalactite in a cave. God needs something that's burning, something that's on fire, some group of people that believe when you walk in the door, we don't really know what's going to happen, but we know God's going to come and He's going to show up with the whole toolbox and He's going to have whatever you need. Come on, give Him a shout, hallelujah. Come on, shout it. We need the fullness of the Spirit. We need everything that God has. So one great scholar said it like this years ago. He said a city needs, needs streetlights. Because at night, the streetlights come on. And you can see where you're going. But in the morning, when the sun rises, all those city lights go dim. We need prophecy, word of knowledge, miracles, healing gifts. We need all of this now. But when Jesus returns, 
all that's going to look very dim because we're going to have the ultimate prophet, the ultimate healer, the Messiah with us present. Can somebody shout amen? amen. So, has, have the gifts ceased? Absolutely not. My daughter Alex told me the other day that they had recorded how many healing testimonies uh, I mean, a score of healing testimonies just over the past few weeks in youth. Did you see the youth up here every night dancing? There's a great work going on that we haven't talked about in the youth. And they've had a score, Kendall, right, of healing miracles happening in the youth ministry. Then we've got healing rooms that move every week, and they don't share all their, their miracles that they have because they're sworn to secrecy unless somebody gives permission for that testimony to be shared. I know personally, Dana and I have laid hands on people who've been healed, and we've seen amazing things happen right here. I'm not talking in Africa. I'm not talking in Latin America. I'm talking in good old Pasquotank County and Elizabeth City. God is still alive and well and moving right here in our midst. The kingdom of God is here. Hallelujah. This summer when Brother Doug Eccles was with us, I laid hands on scores of people who burst out speaking in other tongues. And I know some of them had never experienced that before in their life. So right here, hallelujah, right here. I mean, I've been in the Caribbean where that's happened. I've been in the Middle East where that's happened. I've been in Eastern Europe where that's happened. I've been in Africa and seen it. I've been in South America in the jungles and seen it. But I'm telling you, I see the same Holy Spirit right here in Elizabeth City doing the same work that he's doing all over the world. I want to pull you out of that Western mindset that we're so intellectual and advanced and everything's at the touch of our fingers that we don't need the power of God anymore. Church, we need Him more than ever. We need His power more than ever. We need a display of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders. Well, we just need more education. Well, I've been to the top of the ladder. And I've had to unlearn a lot of things. And I believe in education, obviously. (laughs) But I had to unlearn a lot of things. And I found out some of the things I learned when I was young in the Lord were right. A lot of the old time stuff I learned was right. How to experience God. How to pray through. How to believe for, for, for great things. And I told Dana, it's like I've come full circle back to the, a lot of the things that I began with. And I'm so excited. You know what we do at night? Can I tell it? We're going to celebrate one year anniversary on Saturday. So on Sunday, next Sunday. And we got the newlyweds sitting right at you. Hallelujah. And we got another set of newlyweds sitting right back here. Come on, love is in the air. It's got a watch coming in this church. Where was I at? We can't wait to turn on YouTube and just watch teaching or watch preaching. And I'm not just trying to make us sound holy or something. I'm telling you, I got a hunger I just don't feel I've had in a long time. I want to know, and not just academic stuff. I want to know, how do I get this working in my life? How can I teach you to get this working in your life? How can you heal the sick? How can you speak and declare words and cause an atmosphere to shift? How do you move in Holy Spirit power? How do you grow deeper in your faith? How can you evangelize your community and your family? How can you be all that God is calling you to be? Come on, somebody. How many are hungry like that? We want to see God move right into here and now. You've come too late to tell me the gifts don't exist. You've come, you've come way late, almost 40 years too late to tell me God doesn't move. Because as a 17-year-old, the Holy Ghost came upon my life in my bedroom and I had an experience with God that I've been chasing since then at 17. I was 16, and God came and knocked on my heart's door in a hospital room and spoke to me. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I know he's real. I know he's real. 
I know Israel. He's got angels on assignment that I believe I've run into from time to time. Hallelujah. One pulled me out of the ocean when I was a young boy, and I declare I think he was an angel. I've about drowned twice in my life. So we're not doing any water vacations soon, anytime soon. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. How many of you know God is still alive and moving in the earth realm? How many of you can testify and say, I'm a living witness of the power of God? Come on, how many of you can say, I've been touched and I've been healed and I've been blessed and I've had spiritual experiences and I know my God is alive and well. Gifts have not ceased. Miracles have not ceased. If anything, they have increased in the 20 and 21st century as we approach the coming of the Lord. They have increased, hallelujah, because God said, I'm coming after a church without spot or blemish. He's coming not after a weak, anemic, just barely getting alone sick body he's coming after a holy ghost army moving in authority moving in power raising the dead and healing the sick preaching like fire hallelujah unafraid and unashamed hallelujah come on are you part of that group stand on your feet and give him a shout hallelujah come on give him a shout hallelujah Come on, raise your hand because now's the day to be saved. Now's the day to be healed. Now's the day to be full of the Spirit. Now's the day to be blessed. Now is the day to have dreams and visions. Now's the day to lay hands on the sick. Come on, just cry out. and It's me, Lord. It's me, Lord. I'm here. I want everything you have for me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want to do this right now. I want everyone that will to come around to the altar right now. Come on, we're going to have an Elijah, Elisha moment right now. Come on, don't get quiet on me now. Everybody coming down, raising your voice. Hallelujah, hallelujah, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is from Eli. Doubt is an obstruction to healing. Impediment to miracle. Okay, read the next part. <laughs> Disease is controlled by the evil one and he has no authority over you because the strong man has bound him. My heart is burning as this word is imparted to show that the pastor is speaking the truth because you need to let go into his hands and I rebuke lies and the need for control that limits our abusability in God's hands. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, anybody in this house under 30? Anybody under 30? I want y'all up front here. Come on. Kendall, you guys, come on. If you're under 30, get up here in the front. Don't, don't worry, we're just trying to embarrass you as much as we can. You're under 30, man. Now, I know our youth ministry is going on right now, so they're just missing out, right? But that's okay, all right? Hallelujah. Okay, i got to watch my words here. Anybody over 30? How about y'all come behind them right now? Do we have any over 30s in here? A, f a few? We're going to pass the mantle, amen? We're going to pass the mantle right now in Jesus' name. So what happens in the book of Acts is that Jesus ascended to heaven. And I think the story of Elijah and Elisha now becomes a prototype of what's going to happen with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus ascends to heaven and the disciples are standing there. And an angel has to come and say, hey, 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 why are you standing gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who went away will come again in like manner. Now you, do what he said. Go to Jerusalem and go to the upper room. They go to the upper room and 10 days they pray. Then a mighty sound as of a rushing mighty wind came in, filled the house. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So now the same authority and power that was on Jesus 
was then transferred to the church of the living God. And now, oh, I believe Jesus really operated not so much as the Son of God. I believe He laid aside those, uh, th- those, those uh, priorities when He came, Philippians chapter 2, to earth, the kenosis passage. He emptied Himself. And I believe He operated as a man anointed of the Holy Spirit. It's my belief. And so, showing us that we could operate as men and women anointed of the Holy Spirit. And now when they they received the power of the Holy Spirit, then they went out and did. Just like Elijah, they saw him go up. And just like Elijah, they grabbed the mantle. And maybe just like Elijah, I don't know if we're in double portion. You know, the Hammond said we're in a double portion, so I receive it, Lord. But Jesus also said, greater works shall you do because I am going to my Father. And so now maybe it's greater because there are more of us. Maybe it's greater because we have a great, greater technological advancements in transportation. Or maybe it's greater because now He's seated in His session in heaven and He's poured out the fullness of the Holy Spirit to the believing church. Now we live in the era of the Spirit, the last days of the Spirit. Now we are the Spirit-empowered church. So come on, all of y'all under 30, raise your hands. Come on, everybody behind them, press up. And just stretch your hand toward them in the name of Jesus. And just start pray, pray, Holy Ghost fire right now. Come on, Holy Ghost fire right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost fire on each one right now in the name of Jesus. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.